0: For life. It is more a collection of stories and about people, events, and nations and together they make up one great remarkable story and it is God's quest to save humanity and reconcile man back to God and restore this fallen and broken world of ours. What is so fascinating about the Bible is that every time you open and read through the pages of this book, you, at least in my own personal experience, you find invariably yourself in it. Because the people that we meet here is just like us. The lives that they are living are like yours and mine. I don't know about you, but I find myself identifying with what they are going through, their personal struggles, their temptations, their trials, their hardships, that they are experiencing are pretty similar to yours and to mine. How amazing is that? But all of all the stories, the narratives we find in the Bible, I submit to you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most riveting, the most compelling, the most powerful, and the most climactic of them all. Nothing comes even close. And here's a glorious thing that happens, folks. When the story of the resurrection of Jesus intersects with your life, it changes everything. What kind of a life are you living? What is it that you want and what is keeping you from getting it? Maybe you want a successful career, a job of your dreams, a happy family, good health, or financial stability, financial security. Maybe all you want is for the Lakers to win another championship, or the Dodgers to go to the World Series, or the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. Dream on, Paul. Now these are all reasonable, but it seems to me that what every person really wants in the end, is life, not just any life, rather a good life, a meaningful, fulfilling, and purposeful life, and I might add a long life. Isn't that ultimately what we all want? The rest, as the saying goes, is just details. We want life not for ourselves, we want life for our family, our friends, our loved ones, and the entire world. So what is keeping you and us from getting it? What do we have to overcome on our way to a long, meaningful, fulfilling, and a good life? What obstacles do we have to hurdle to get it? What hopes do we have to go through to achieve it? now there are a lot of things that stand in the way sickness unemployment family dysfunction bad habits bad people bad luck bad choices wrong decisions the list is endless but in the end there are really just two things that keep us from the life we want and you know what those two are sin and death. Sin is our human tendency to mess things up, to think of ourselves instead of others, to hold a grudge instead of forgiving someone, to harbor hate, to settle for lust instead of intimacy, to twist twist the truth, to lose our temper, to break our promises and hurt the people we love. And sometimes it is our sin that gets in the way and it trips us and it short-circuits us and sometimes it's other people's sins. Either way, it is always there spoiling our joy, holding us back, sabotaging our good intentions as long as sin is on the loose in the world and more importantly, in the human heart. We will never live the lives we were meant to live. We'll keep falling short, missing the mark. We're almost there, almost. We can almost smell it, we can almost taste it, we can almost touch it, almost, but not quite. Some of you know how that feels. The other thing that gets in the way is death. No matter how good our life is, we're always haunted by the fact that it could always, it can, could end any time, or that it will end sometime. And when it does end, it'll most likely feel like it came too soon, like there is so much more life to live, and it is cut short. Death all too soon has thwarted and ruined and destroyed our well laid out plans. We want a good, fulfilling, meaningful, long life, but sin and death keep getting in the way. And no matter what we do, we are never going to beat sin and death. No matter how many self-help books we read, or motivational seminars we attend, or feel-good sermons we hear from your favorite tele- television personality. No matter how many promises we make to ourselves and others, sin continues to wreak havoc on our careers, our relationships, and our good times. And no matter how many peace treaties are signed, and peace conferences and economic summits held, no matter. many relief efforts that we are launching we still cannot fix what is wrong with the world and no matter how many vitamins we take no matter how much we exercise and eat right and how many anti-aging gels and lotions and liposuction and yes Botox and no matter how many top-dollar procedures done to our face and our body to make us look young and beautiful no matter how many advances and discoveries in medicine and science and technology, we just cannot beat death. Do you know that there is a church that promotes this idea that their members can reverse the aging process? They're in for the greatest shock and disappointment and surprise of their lives because the Bible says in Hebrews. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. Every human being since Adam and Eve has lived his or her own version of that same storyline. And that is not to say that ours is never good, but they are never as good or as long as we would like them to be. Sooner or later, life as we know it will come to a screeching end. And so with that in mind, allow me to tell you a narrative, a true account that is familiar to most if not to all of us today. The story of Jesus is a classic one. He was conceived out of wedlock, born to a peasant couple on the road, a long way from home. His first night was spent in a cattle stall. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the feeding trough for a bed with straws as his pillow and cushion. He grows up in a small, out-of-the-way town, insignificant town of Nazareth, and there he spends the early years of his life in obscurity working as a carpenter, a blue-collar job providing for his family. At age 30, he breaks into the public scene, making a name for himself with rousing sermons talking about The coming kingdom, all these promises of a coming kingdom. He speaks of a new age of peace and justice for all people. He spoke about goodness filling the earth and healing the nations. He speaks about God as if he knows God, as if he himself was God. And if he is some kind of mission. But they are not just words, you see. He backs them with actions. Everywhere he goes, the blind see, paralytics get up and walk, the deaf hear, the dumb hear, the wind and the waves obey his command. He walks on water, the dead are raised back to life, hungry people are fed, and those beset and oppressed by demons were set free. And so people were saying, this is John the Baptist who's come back to life. And others say, no, 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 not John the Baptist. This is the prophet Elijah whom God took away on a whirlwind to heaven. Oh, no, somebody says, not Elijah, not John, this must be Jeremiah. And he gathers a small band of followers, a dozen zealous, untested men, and a handful of capable women. Like every folk hero, the common people loved him, but the authorities are disturbed and they were alarmed by him, especially the religious leaders. And soon great crowds are following him everywhere. Rumors, rumors and expectations are getting out of hand. And so the authorities made plans to get rid of him. The tipping point comes In the third year of his ministry, he comes out of Galilee with fire in his eyes, marching toward Jerusalem, the capital city. He arrives just in time for the feast of Passover. And as he enters the city, riding on a donkey, crowds come out to greet him, lining the streets and hailing him as their coming king. Hosanna, they crowded. Hosanna to the highest. His followers were so pumped... This is the moment they've been waiting for. But suddenly, the story takes a dark turn. Instead of leading a revolt against Rome, Imperial Rome, Jesus turns inward. And he talks about his suffering, he talks about his death, about going away for a long time. And when he did, The crowds quickly lose interest, and so they turned their back away from him and left him. One of his own disciples named Judas sells him out for 30 pieces of silver, and by the end of the week, he is placed under arrest, and his friends are nowhere to be found. Peter, one of his closest allies, denied ever knowing him. He's sentenced to death by lying priests and a cowardly politician named Pilate. And after a public beating and humiliation, he's marched out of the city where he is nailed to a wooden cross and hung up to die under the blistering heat of the midday sun. His life ends in death like every other human before and after him. He dies virtually alone. It is left to a couple of strangers to take his body down and hastily wrapped it for burial, placed and sealed his lifeless body in a tomb. His followers go into hiding, disillusioned, afraid. They had a dream. Ah, what a dream. Suddenly all their hopes, aspirations, expectations are dashed into a thousand tiny fragments and there sealed in a tomb. Ah, it was a remarkable run. It was fun while it lasted. But short lived. It's dead, gone. Or so they thought. On the third day after his death, a few brave and loyal women came to the grave to pay their last respects. But they find the tomb busted open and the body of Jesus gone. It is empty. And a heavenly being appears to them and tells them not to worry, that Jesus is alive again, that he is risen, that he is on the move, that he is eager to see them and to pick up where they left off. And so it is not over after all. And over 2,000 years later, the story of his life, his birth, suffering, death, and resurrection is still being told, retold, told and retold again and again and again by millions of his followers throughout history. And although it's familiar to you and I, it never fails to surprise us. It never fails to warm and stir our hearts. So what did Jesus want? Why did he come to dwell among us? Why, why, why was that? We could answer that question in many ways. We could say, well, he wanted to make God known to us. He wanted to restore the nation of Israel. He wanted to inaugurate the kingdom of God. But what really did Jesus want? We find ourselves drawn to his own words found in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There it is, folks, as clear as crystal. Jesus wanted you and I to have the very same thing that we wanted for ourselves, and that is life. Not just life, but a full life, abundant life, a fulfilling life, or as it says in another passage, eternal life everlasting life life that goes on and on and on forever are you there Jesus promised his followers a victorious overcoming life not someday but this day now here in this life and Jesus does not ask you to wait until we get to heaven before we can experience the fullness of his power in your life you Can experience it today now that is what Jesus wants for you and for me and for every human being to have a meaningful purposeful fulfilling good life that goes on forever and it begins now that is why he came and what did Jesus have to overcome to accomplish this the same two things that you and I had to overcome the same two things that keep tripping us, that keeps messing us up, keeping us from the life we want. Two things, sin and death. And what did Jesus do to do that? First, he had to overcome sin, everything that is wrong with the human race in this fallen world. He overcame He took on the foolishness of the crowd. He took on the faithlessness of his own disciples. The jealousy and the hatred of the religious leaders. The cruelty and the brutality of the soldiers and the cowardice of Pilate. He took my sin. He took your sin. The sins of the world. He absorbed it. He took it upon himself. And wonder of wonders, he forgave it. Second of all, he had to overcome death. It was the last enemy, the undefeated foe, the end of every human story, the ultimate and irreversible process. Jesus took death head on. His lifeless body was laid to rest in a cold tomb. But three days later, my dear friends, he blew the stone door off the tomb and opened the way to eternal life for you and for me. Declaring, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, although he is dead, yet shall he live. Fifteen years or so. After these things happened, the Apostle Paul wrote these words after observing the impact of Christ's death and resurrection firsthand. He says, Where, O death, is your victory? And where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. This is the story of the risen Jesus. There has never been like it in human history. There's never been any other human being who conquered both sin and death. It is so unbelievable and so remarkable that some people find it hard to believe. We don't have time today to consider all the evidence this morning, but consider this. Did you know that there were others who claimed to be messiahs in Jesus' day? Who are these people? Well, these were inspiring teachers. They were religious radicals. Historians point to at least 12 of these. These charismatic leaders gathered followers and made promises and they raised people's hopes and expectations. But that was the extent of it. They could not deliver on the promises they made. Every one of these so-called messiahs ended in death. That, That was their end. And none, none, none of their followers spoke or even suggested that they had come back to life but for some reason listen for some reason that did not happen with jesus his followers insisted that he had come back from the dead that he is risen that he is very much alive and more messiah like than ever his enemies could not refute it they could not point to a grave or produce a dead body they could say hey now look there's this lifeless body of your Jesus like all of the other messiahs before him that that as can be they could not produce a body the resurrection of Jesus refused to die in fact it only gained momentum his followers told it everyone everywhere anytime anywhere they went to their violent deaths telling the story of his suffering death and resurrection His followers except John was put to death for claiming that Jesus was alive and within a few years folks a new religious movement emerged the Jesus movement which was entirely consistent with the story that had been told for thousands of years but far bigger broader and wider than anyone imagined or dreamed possible it is hard to believe but consider the evidence today. First, there is the physical evidence of the empty tomb. There was no body there. The resurrection story would have been ended right there immediately if Jesus had stayed in the grave. Like any other dead person, something happened to the body of Jesus that no one has ever explained. Second of all, there is the human evidence The change that came upon the disciples, something changed, something transformed these, you know, sniveling, doubting cowards to courageous followers of Jesus. These men and women spent the rest of their lives claiming and proclaiming to all that Jesus had risen from the dead. And most of them suffered painful and untimely deaths from the hands of religious and political leaders because of it. Something happened to the followers of the Messiah who was dead but raised back to life that no one has ever been able to explain. And lastly, there is the historical evidence of the rise of Christianity. No one in first century Israel could have imagined or dreamed up such a belief system of a suffering Messiah who died and rose back to life. Israel was looking for a Messiah who will ride into Jerusalem and lead them to victory from the clutches of Roman rule something happened to give birth a spiritual movement that shaped human history like no other and I want you to hear the good news this morning this Easter Sunday morning if Jesus conquered sin and death and he certainly did He can conquer whatever is getting in the way of the life that you want and were meant to live. This and that is the power of the resurrection. I came to give you life, he says, and life more abundantly. That was his mission. And because he came... He suffered, died, rose again from the grave. He can say, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, although he were dead, yet shall he live. And because I live, you, 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 all of you shall also live. And listen, if Jesus is greater than our sin, and he certainly is, then he is greater than anything that would keep us from living the life he came to give you, by his death and resurrection allow me to ask you this morning as we draw this into a close are you stuck in some things that are sucking the life out of you are you looking for a way out of the cycles of repeated failures what is what is that something that keeps getting in the way and ruining your good times and sabotaging your relationships and no matter how many times you try many ways you try to deal with it keeps rearing its ugly head and wreaking havoc on your life. There's a book that is written just out by Ernie Johnson, Jr. It's entitled Unscripted. Ernie Johnson, Jr. is a very popular sports broadcaster, one of the most recognizable voices in sports broadcasting. He is the host of Inside NBA with Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, and Charles Barkley. You probably have watched their show. It is an autobiography about lessons that Ernie Johnson has learned about those unscripted moments you never anticipated from happening. In other words, words, you map your life out like a script. And then something happens to block and prevent you from attaining your well-scripted life. Many of you knew that our family went to on a cruise to the Bahamas last week, spring vacation for the kids, and also Ken and Lens' 49th wedding anniversary gift to us. So we embarked on in, in Port Canaveral in Florida, the Disney Wonder cruise script says our first port of call. Is NASA, then on to Castaway Key, the island that Disney built. We were just a couple away, hours away at, for, at, to NASA when the captain came on the speaker system about six o'clock in the morning. And we were still in bed. And he says to announce to, our, to us that our ship is participating in a search and rescue operation for a man who had gone overboard from another cruise liner, carnival, en route to NASA. International maritime law states that it is mandatory for all ships, cruise ships, freighters, cruise lines, you know, ocean liners in the area to join the search and the rescue. There were seven Ships, three cruise liners and about two ocean liners, freighters, and also a Coast Guard as well as a helicopter from the U.S. Coast Guard covering the area where the man supposedly had gone overboard. We circled that area for seven and a half hours. When we were cleared. To proceed by the authorities, it was too late to go to NASA. So we proceeded to the next port of call, Castaway Key. They never found the man's body. That unscripted movement thwarted Ken's and Len's plan to take the kids to Atlantis. They were all looking forward to it. And of course, it ruined Sonia's and my plan to tour the city of Nassau. Bummer, right? You see, life does have a way of derailing you from the track that you have carefully laid out, doesn't it? You set out with high hopes for your schooling, your career, your family, your golden years, your retirement years. You have a well-scripted plan Aspirations, expectations, but things don't always turn out the way you scripted it, the way you planned it. And sometimes sometimes your well laid out plans has a name and a face attached to it. Someone you love dearly. But now, the unexpected happened. You're left alone. And your dreams have all gone down, gurgling down the drain. People let you down. You let yourself down. Suddenly, the life you're living is not quite the life you dreamed of, the life you scripted. You find yourself in places you never expected to be. You're in pain, you're hurting, you're aching, you're discouraged, you're down, feel like giving up. What's the use? And if that is not you, it's probably someone you know, someone you love, someone you care for. Listen, dear ones, the power of the resurrection of Jesus is so much greater than that. Jesus is so much greater than the pain and the grief and the disappointment and the failure and the frustration that you or your loved ones may be experiencing in this life. Life may have a way of destroying and killing your dreams, of derailing you from your well-scripted life, but listen, Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, has a way of bringing and the life that Jesus offers was meant to be rich and full and satisfying and eternal. I don't know specifically, but it's keeping you from the life you're meant to live. But whatever it is, I can assure you that Jesus is greater. Now, don't just take my word for it. Listen once again to his declaration I am come that they might have life and have it to the full. And as the King James Version put it, that they might have life more abundantly. If you would like to live a better life than what you are presently experiencing, there's a way out. It is found by coming to Jesus and giving it all to him. Is there some habits, some hurts, some hung up, some sin, I invite you to give it all to Jesus. You can walk out of this resurrection service this morning and you can begin turning over a new leaf with your life. And if you're a believer in Christ, but you're still not satisfied with the life that you are living, I invite you to come to the risen Christ as well because his resurrection changes everything. Max Locato gives at least two practical results of the resurrection of jesus it is this number one my failures are not fatal they're not deadly they're not catastrophic they're not devastating my death is not final they're not irrevocable they're not absolute they're not conclusive both the cross and the empty tomb speak to us today the cross tells us that christ paid the debt that we owe Our guilt, our sin, our shame, hate, pride, fear. He paid it all. The empty tomb tells that Jesus really is he who he claimed to be. The resurrection and the life. And because he is, there is help for us today and hope for tomorrow. Believe it, live it, share it. Because he lives, we too shall live.
1: Pieces Pieces So many pieces to my life scattered all around, and some of them are gone, and I know that I can't ever put them back together again. sister, my love, a puzzle left unfinished, jumbled and unformed, who can really ever fit them back together again, in a vision like a daydream, that filters through stir my mind I saw Jesus coming closer holding all my hopes combined He spoke with great compassion as He held one hand on me and in His other hand what I could never see, he said, Peace, pieces. I've got all the pieces to your life. Thousand tiny fragments of every single day I can put them all together and there'll never be another one who can He said peace Peace I've got all the pieces to your of every single day I can put them all together so they'll never fall away I can put them all together and there'll never be another one who can.
0: life is your life like what the song described your life scattered all around broken in a thousand tiny fragments you're like a like a puzzle jumbled and unformed numberless stuff.